thought the job was done. They thought it was all behind them. But sometimes, the past doesn't stay where it belongs. Now, Brad and Andrew must fight to protect all that they've built. The stakes have never been higher. And the beer has never been colder. This year, the epic continues. This is the Brew and View Podcast. think you're excited feel these nipples <laughs> yeah welcome to the brewery yeah. podcast yeah you're brad i am i'm i'm aroused oh hell yeah can't say i blame you i am also aroused also yes same z's i'm aroused hmm. and uh and uh, of course you're listening to the Brewview podcast it is the podcast critics are calling uh, cliched, but you know, not without reason. <clears throat> yes. So, uh, we we're back, uh, <clears throat> and Flemmy, excuse me. Mm-hmm. No worries. Bum, bum, bum. Back in Flemmy. Sounds <clears throat> like a, it sounds like a weird Al version of a song. Doesn't exist, but yes, you know, back it's it the did. the remix version, remix album. Yeah, you know, it's like Pussifer's uh, all remix mm. album. Yes, but, yes, y'all. Well, uh, we're not here for brews and tunes. We're here for brews and views. That's true. That's actually that's a known fact. So, uh, what's what's in your mug? Ooh, uh, well, I'm super excited about this beer. Um, it is, uh, I'm back on the tulip glass. I'm all about it. 
Uh, but this is called Ghost in the Machine by Parish Brewing Company. I like that name. Yes. It is an uh, Imperial Double IPA. Um, clocking in at uh, 8.5 ABV and 100 IBUs. Mm-hmm. Um, the the uh, bottle, very cool looking, nice artwork, of course, grabs your attention. Um, but it says, welcome to the future, our collective human consciousness or ghost in the machine, has gained a tolerance for hops beyond beyond what mankind has ever known before. This double India Pale Ale is the necessary outcome. So, I like uh, it. Yeah, if you, Brad, you can see it. It looks like uh, Ooh, glass like orange juice. juice. Yeah. And it just, uh, as you could imagine, it's just big hops, big hoppy flavor to it. Um, super fresh. And the crazy thing about this, so we're recording this on the night of the 27th. Mm-hmm. Um, the date stamped on the bottle is the 18th. Oh, look at that. That's good and fresh. Yeah. So this is not even 10 days old and there's a little, um, it's got that sediment in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a big bold beer. Um, this would be right up your alley. Cool. Uh, I gave it a, uh, 4.5 on untapped. Um, but <sighs> Might might upgrade as the night goes on. I don't know. It, it's pretty. It's uh, it's firing on all cylinders. I don't know what they could do better. This is um, if you're if you're a hop head, yeah, this is where it's at. No, those uh, those ones that you find it just that's awesome. That's I like a big full beer like that. That mm. uh, is re- kind of refreshing too. Yeah, it, it looks is. like yeah. it is. Yeah, it's not um, nice and like crisp, light body. Um, it's just it's all hops. Hops are the focal point, and um, you know, being as fresh as it is definitely uh, helps. So yeah, yeah. Well, it uh, seems like we had two good beers tonight because I am drinking. I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast or before the podcast last week. Uh, but it's from uh, 21st Amendment Brewing. It is free, uh, brew free or die IPA. The Blood Orange, because um, they have a uh, brew free or die IPA, mm-hmm. just a regular. This is a die or Blood Orange uh, version of it, and it's seven point or seven percent ABV and seventy IBUs. And this beer is so good. This is such a happy find for me because. Um, I, well, I'm going to hold it up for you. Mm-hmm. This is how red it is. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, I mean, yes, yeah, so very red. Um, it's, it's, it, it is such a smooth beer. <clears throat> and I don't know where they're getting these IBUs because I, you really don't feel them. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's so there's, – there's a good citrus taste in there, but it's not overpowering. The hops are good, but it's not overpowering. Uh, the alcohol is there, but it's not overpowering. It's just – it goes down smooth beer. So smooth. I bet you I could drink about 15 of these without even, like, getting full. That's how smooth it is. Oh, that's cool. Well, maybe not, maybe not 15, but you know what I'm still talking about. And yeah. especially the way the summer's going right now, um, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to uh, compare our climbs, but 
uh, it's been a little swampy up here, and it's it's been great after working all day slaving over a hot hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in uh, South Central PA. Yeah. So uh, I gave it I gave it a five because I love this beer. This is one of my I'm going to go back to nice. beers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So this um, this beer caught a little bit of uh, buzz down here, um, definitely with reason. Uh, but OT she um, she works at Whole Foods part time. And I guess the um, the beer, the girl who's in charge of beer um, and her have gotten to be friends. And she so um, you got an inside man. Yeah. So now I've got I've got the inside line on some good stuff. And uh, hopefully she won't tell me what it is, but she's telling me that there's there's another beer coming in, coming in the pipeline because I didn't even um I hadn't heard about this until she brought it home, but then, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess it, it was pretty popular down here and sold out pretty quickly. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. If you get someone like that, I used to have, uh, at my local beer distributor, I had a guy, uh, who was always there for me, like would hook me up and Mm -hmm. say, Oh, you know, he knew what I liked. And he's like, and if I came in, he's like, Oh, come here you should try this yeah and now that we can they can sell six packs you know we're a little bit behind in the times here and uh now that we sell six packs now i can grab six packs see what if i really like it right but he's no longer there which is disheartening of course yeah 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 uh that does stink because it's always it's always like uh for me at least it's always just been a, a being a regular is just such a point of personal pride. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah to to be yeah, absolutely. And uh, like the beer distributor is great. The bar is even better. Nice. And not that I want to be known as the guy that's in there every night, mm-hmm. but I walk in, I know the bartender, and I sit down. Yeah. And they're like, "Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Check. You know, we got a new tap on. What do you think about this? They give me a little. You know. Yeah. One of my faves." Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I don't know if it's underappreciated, but it's 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 under celebrated, I'll say that. It's it's comforting. Yeah. It's comforting. Absolutely. And like it's not like going into your local, you know, Applebee's or anything <laughs> like that. It's like going into a not a dive bar, but like a bar that's a little rough around the edges, you yeah. know what I mean? Like has has a little bit of character to it, you know? Like uh certain times of the day, yeah, you might not want to go in. That's Other where times it's at. you're good and welcome. But then as soon as you get to that point where you're uh you're uh you're yeah. welcome, you're then you're welcome standing. with all all newcomers. So Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. A, like a little community in the bar. Mm-hmm. You do that in a coffee shop though i hate hmm. you. i hate you yeah <laughs> and so does everyone working there. <clears throat> Bless <Excuse> you. <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah i'm sure they do yeah um yeah i haven't i haven't really i haven't been a regular at a bar since the bar in union station closed no nah. back in chicago yeah no we gotta um, get you we gotta get you I'm, back on I'm target. working on it. I'm working on it with Nola, but 
it's such a um it's a happening tourist, spot, right? Tourist heavy spot that um and they got a decent amount of people on staff, so cuz they have two bars, they have one on the main floor and they have like a balcony. So got a got a handful of people employed, so time. It just takes time. Time. Yeah. All right. So uh I guess we uh, anything else new you want to talk about or um, beer wise? Yeah, I'm trying brews. to I'm trying to think in the uh in the beer world. No, not right now. I know I'm going to try and get to another brewery down here next weekend. Uh Mr. Brennan of uh Untapped will uh will be down here, so Cool. It's always a good chance to check out some good local stuff, so yeah. So, yeah. Well, speaking of Untapped, you can follow mm. us there. Oh, yeah. And find out what we're drinking. You hear us talk about it every week. Mm-hmm. Let us know what's up, what's going on. Uh, speaking of Brennan, he had a DKML uh, from Founders. Founders, It's a malt liquor. Nice. Uh, uh, Devin had a, hop, a dry hopped apricot stonefly session ale, 325. Like Brennan really liked a prairie, a prairie, 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 prairie a prairie paradise. Prairie, I think that's how you say prairie, right? Prairie, I don't know. Whatever. He liked it. It's four point. Uh, it's a stout. Uh, Mr. Neil had a coconut and lime. Again, very very cleverly named. <laughs> uh, he also had a Wolf Rock from Sharp brewing it's a red ipa so uh oh matt matt k from latitz had a libation libation double ipa i can tell you that the libation is heavy and that's uh from saint boniface and that's a yeah double ipa so uh yeah check us out on untap and send us some you know hey what are you drinking what are you liking something Toast us, all that good stuff. So, yeah. done blathering on. Um, yeah, follow Let's us. Let's get it's into fun. the views. Yeah, 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 yeah. Movies. Yeah. You assigned me a documentary. I did. We've been on a little bit of a documentary kick, and I like it. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, so, you hit me last week with Betting on Zero. Now, Betting on Zero is a documentary from 2016 um, from Ted Braun. And it is about controversial hedge fund titan, Bill Ackman, as he puts a billion dollars on the line in his crusade to expose Herbalife as the largest pyramid scheme in history. And uh, that's that's uh, <laughs> the the jumping off point for that. So um, Bill Ackman is this uh, hedge fund investor. He kind of has a reputation of uh, he seems more of a uh, new. I mean, he maybe embodies new money a little more. Like he's not the Warren Buffetts or. Carl Icons, who we'll talk about in a moment. Um, yeah. He, he kind of seems to have a bit more of a conscience and 
and uh, it's yeah. which is easy to do behind billion dollar investments. Um, well, this this movie has like it tends to want to put him in a good light. Mm-hmm. Like so, you you look Absolutely. at it and he's Absolutely. doing it from a he's coming off as doing it as from a point of righteousness. Yeah, this documentary has an agenda for sure, um, which I think most good um, documentaries are, do have that aspect of propaganda in them. Um, I mean, I guess a truly good documentary would do nothing but present you with facts and let you decide. Um, but I guess that's not the point. So uh, it does, it definitely paints him in a positive light. Um, but also Herbalife, when, when you look at the facts plainly, in my opinion, it's clearly a pyramid scheme. Um, yeah, I don't know how you couldn't think it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah, and uh, so Herbalife, so we get to know Bill Ackman a little bit, and then Herbalife is uh, explored uh, from the perspective of a victim. Um, we have, uh, it's clearly targeting um, Mexican immigrants, um, specifically they look at um, this area in Chicago where it's kind of run through a couple people in the community and, and they're, um, they're putting together a class action lawsuit and uh, it just, it does not paint Herbalife in a good picture, but being as objective as I can be, it feels pretty accurate. Um, and <laughs> so in the midst of all this, <clears throat> It doesn't look good for Herbalife. Um, they do get uh, Mike. Uh, yeah, he used to be a Disney president of operations or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what his name uh, was, but yeah, yeah, and it's not listed on IMDb. Yeah. Um, but he just seems like um, <laughs> he he seems like he kind of got a he wound up with this thankless task. Like it seems like something he'd be, um, he'd be perfect for. Cause he, he's like a, uh, triathlete type guy, um, health oriented, but this company just doesn't really seem to be like that. So, um, well, yeah, it, I mean, they, it is flashy. It's mm-hmm. like, and he's the right guy, the, the man for the job, I guess. Uh, like he's he's got he's got the like he's a big guy, yeah. big grin, mm-hmm. uh, square jaw. Michael Johnson, yeah, yes, and just just seems like the man for the job. Yeah, the face perfect for it, and right. And yeah. um, <clears throat> what I, what I found was interesting is is like they didn't do a whole lot of. Uh, it, it really was biased. It, like I, I wanted a little bit. Um, I wanted a little bit a better, a, a little bit more testimonial from like the people that it did work for, other than the CEOs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like all you got was the real high up people and the people on TV as the face of it. Yeah, and I want to hear, but I'm sure that the people that were in that position weren't weren't going to be allowed to talk to this. Yeah. 
but I, I think they do break down the distribution of the income in the company. And it is like something like 11% of people are actually making serious money in it. So right. that's not a lot of people to talk to. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they, they break it down to where like, <laughs> well, they, that, that one thing where he was saying, like, once you get down to like what the, the 16th level or not even that far, the 12th level or something like that. Yeah. You'd basically have to sell to the entire earth. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, and that's where you start to realize, oh, you know, are there any victims here? And then you start to think, oh, well, yeah, of course, there's only so many, like, it's exponential. So, like, how can you, how can it possibly work for everyone? Right. So, so things um, actually don't seem to be looking too good um, for Herbalife. And then uh, Carl Icahn shows up and, you know, he's fucking up the game basically out of spite. So he he buys a he, a chunk of Herbalife shares to um to bolster the stock price because he doesn't like Bill Ackman and that's yeah. kind of that's kind of where I I would say like I the the term new money isn't right but they they just have different philosophies clearly. Well, and he like he made all his money from shorting other companies and other companies he thought right. were, were evil. Yeah. Or uh, William um, Ackman or Aikman or whatever. Yeah, whatever. It Bill, is. Uh, yeah. And then he found he thought this company's evil. I'm going to do the same thing to them. He goes, and then all of a sudden, uh, Carl Icahn comes in and is like, no, 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 no. You, I don't like this guy. I'm yeah. going to throw my substantial penis into the ring and screw you honestly that's the problem is it's probably not it's probably an insubstantial penis and that's where he needs all this money from so yeah it's that is it's just it turns into a pissing contest of i don't like you and i have all this money and um that is this whole like iron rand esque idea of free enterprise and um like he's just entitled to to make more riches because he has so much of it. I don't know. It's just yeah. Well, it it feel it does feel like, and we think of new money, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this is like the new money. Like uh, Carl Icahn made his his bones, you know, in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. When you're thinking of when the stock market, you're thinking of Wall Street, the movie. You know, like greed is good greed is and that good. kind of stuff. Yeah. And this guy, whenever he's interviewed comes off as that it comes off as like kind of despicable kind yeah. of like like vindictive and just seems like he's sitting at home with his money and like his his uh butler and, and mm-hmm. just all alone and just thinking of things to people to crush under his boot heel you know yeah gotta get more gotta get more yeah, yeah. just just really shitty guy and and this is from it's from the source so i i know that the documentary is is definitely biased but you know his his interviews are from his mouth, and he just sounds like a piece of garbage. So, and oh, I'm I'm I'm, pretty, I'm sure they cherry pick some of the stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'd really be interested to hear what your dad would think about this. Um, like, cause he traded, oh, I he traded. You, he he wouldn't like it. He wouldn't like it from what perspective? Um, he he would be on on the side of the documentary. Okay, he just the he, way. That, yeah, because okay. he he got fucked over. He get basically got ran out of his profession by 
the old money guys who um, basically, because of their access, made it impossible for independent traders to make money. Right, right. Uh, you either have to work for a firm and get on this computer and, you know, basically be a, a glorified data entry guy or or get out because there's not enough money for all of us, which is right. simply not the case. Yeah. So. It's it's fascinating. Like, I, I have no sense of that world. I really mm-hmm. don't. And, like, I think most of America don't. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure some people play stocks, have money in mutual funds and all that kind of stuff. But, like, really getting into it and, like, watching Bloomberg and all that stuff and, like, getting into, you know, you know whether or not what's up and what's down and all that stuff. Um, I, I'm sure there's a percentage of America that does. But, like, this kind of gives you a look into that world and, like, oh, my God, like, all this money. And, like, obviously – there's still people. So like you get the same egos and yeah. uh, faults and stuff. You get good people, bad people and all that. And it's just, that's, it's kind of sad. You that's know, that what's these... scary about the, the, um, the financial institutions. A lot of this stuff rests on the egos of a few people. Like Herbalife is, a, a, it's obviously obscenely obvious. It's a, it's a pyramid scheme and the mm-hmm. FTC looks into it and, and even, uh, Michael Johnson ends up leaving, um, which oh, yeah. I think was the wise decision. And, uh, well, he, he probably got a golden parachute too. As yeah. he's, you know, oh, yeah. he probably cashed out and <laughs> I'm out of here. Bye. And lands on a bunch of money. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Scrooge McDonough. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it's scary that the the um, the finances of the world are are um, in the hands of of a few who uh, are want to just have pissing contests because I don't know some yeah. some girl gave someone else a hand job in 1978 mm. or something like that and it's scary and it it seems it might seem like it's oversimplifying but I don't think it is by much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, like, just think about, like, uh, uh, maybe, I don't know how many that you've had in this in your life, but, like, like people that, like, you run into either you've lent money to or had money issues with, and it's ruined relationships, yeah. right? And it's, I mean, that's people talk about it all the time. Like, how, if a business deal goes bad, how couldn't there be bad blood? Right. And, and, like, I feel bad for the people who, like, are higher up in Herbalife maybe knowing maybe not knowing what they're actually involved in like they're just really good at selling you know like you've run across people that are just good at selling like i was terrible at it i was well you're you're an honest man that's oh you you either need to be i like i don't think that everyone who's in sales is stupid or not stupid i don't think everyone in sales is scummy I think but, that there's there's the type of people who blindly buy into things and those people are good at sales because they really believe in what they're pushing. Right. But they're not smart enough to question things. Yeah. Yeah, or they choose not to. The burden of knowledge is yes. ignorance or is the, bliss. Or the, this yes, product is yes. awesome. I love it. It's great. Well, and it seems like a good idea until they say like they're selling it in like these like in China and Vietnam and like mm-hmm. all these places where like they're selling it in villages, like where they, you know, 
for thousands and thousands yeah. of years. Some of these people were still living in the, you know, the Bronze Age. Yeah. And like, what do they need a protein shake for? You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's crazy. The yeah. Way they've, uh, and they do it under the guise of like, hey, people are hungry. People need jobs. Well, this meal replacement shake that someone can sell to you. Right. It's like you're talking about a product that's, you know, retails at other places for seven ninety nine, and it's forty dollars for for a uh, cup of coffee, oh, bottle or whatever it is. Oh, I don't sorry. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of control. Yeah. So, um, that being said, it did kind of. It felt like it dawdled a little. Like it, it, it could have moved a little faster. This felt like a hour-long TV documentary for, like, Bloomberg or something. They, they, uh, like, they a, like a really long yeah. 60 Minutes expose. Yeah, they really, like, they stretched it to an hour 44. And, um, you know, with commercial breaks, it could the information could have fit comfortably into a 50, 55-minute format. Um, so I gave it a 7. Uh, it is biased, but I don't really want to knock it too much for that because while it is biased if you look at the facts presented and maybe it's just that i happen to agree with these facts um the bias feels like i fall in line with the bias and i don't think it's good to just only read information you agree with which is it it plays to an audience and like if you're that honest then that's you know it's and it's it's nice to be objective but true objectivity is like kind of impossible so it's you know i I guess i don't know i like i see where you're coming from like um it's slanted but it may be slanted for a good reason yeah yeah absolutely i think that's that's kind of how it goes it's not like like i felt the documentary jesus camp was as objective as it could have been Yes, but because yeah. of where I fall, I I saw it through these eyes. So right, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Well, uh, what'd you give it? What'd you, what'd you uh, seven? Think? Seven? Yeah, I gave it seven as well. I was, I was surprised it was hitting like seven point three on IMDb, um, Metascore seven point or seventy two. So it lines up right across the board. I like I I, I agree with it. It could have been shortened, probably about twenty minutes at least. Yeah. Um, like the whole um. Uh, that whole uh, thing where he's uh, they're they're trying to get rid of the or, or object to the uh, settlement. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, I think that was yeah really to like humanize it, really bring that home. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah. it it just. I don't know. It it didn't really feel tacked on, but but everything got everything got stretched a lot. Like even the stuff with Bill Ackman, um, like there's there's no exaggeration. At least four different shots of him watching TV. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. doesn't need to be there. Yeah, this is a little bit overdone. That's filler <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and um, like you see him walking into that thing right at the beginning, walking yeah. into the interview or the, the or the demonstration. You don't even get to that until like forty five minutes into the movie. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. kind of loses its loses its luster. So it was a little That's disjointed. Right. I, I agree. Yeah, but um, all in all, it, it was good. Um, it's definitely a conversation starter. 
And, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I think if you're into, you, you obviously have to be a certain. Well, I think this this has an audience for a lot of people. Like, I think I don't think a whole lot of people are going to take the pro herbalife herbalife side no. watching this movie. But I mean, I guess there could be some. Mm-hmm. But you know. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an, it is an easy watch. It's not like it's a two hour and fifteen minute documentary. It's right. You know, it, it's digestible for sure. So, right on. All right. Uh, so you assigned me a movie, another documentary, uh, sure two thousand sixteen, called American Anarchist. And this movie is the story of the author of the anarchist cookbook. If you've heard that before, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but uh, in broader terms, it's pretty much been found. This, this book is a, is like kind of like a manifesto of, uh, of how to rebel against the government and how to make uh, certain weapons out of household products and how to uh, rebel against the powers that be, I guess, uh, like how to make homemade napalm, how to make a silencer, how to how to make a, a grenade launcher out of your uh, your shotgun, mm-hmm. uh, how to like a lot. I didn't want to do a whole lot of research because I didn't want to go on, get on any watch lists. Yeah, uh, on this book, <laughs> you know, I didn't I didn't want to rent it at the uh, rent it at the local library. Uh, but anyways, this this movie is the story of the author of this book. And did you get to watch this? Yeah, I, I watched okay. it before I assigned it to you, actually. Oh, okay, so, great. Yeah. Um, so this is the story of this guy, um, uh, William Powell, who writes this book at 19. Mm-hmm. And he is a, uh, this is rated at the, in the 60s, how uh, the, uh, the up, uprising against the government, there's... Uh, uh, there's a there's an us versus them mentality. There's a lot of uh, things going on. Like people think, everyone thinks like their area is the most their, their era is the most uh, divisive era. And everybody's well, it looking is. At the, yes, this is literally the best time to be alive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it and the, uh, as crazy as it sounds, it, it's <laughs> like. Like each new year is the best time to be alive, and and hopefully that doesn't, um, you know, hopefully it's not a bell curve, and we're at the hump of it right now, right. And, and things are yeah. gonna start going downhill, or, or on that nice little ski slope on the way on the, on yeah. the downside, of yeah, on the way down, um, yeah. But but it's just yeah, everyone. Like people forget about like what this country was going through in the late sixties. And yeah. um And it's not to say with, that things that the bad things that are happening now aren't irrelevant. No, they're not they're diminished bad. or irrelevant. Yeah, but right. it gets worse. Yeah, it's it can worse. be worse. Yeah. Yeah. And like there was there was a point in time where um there was like uh you know People like if man, I listen. I listen to a, a podcast about Jim Jones. Yeah, and like everyone thinks about him as just like you know this crazy cult leader. No, this was like they were. There was like a communist section of this comp- country where like he 
or like radicals on one side and of course anarchists on the other side. It was just so it was tumultuous at this mm-hmm. time when he wrote this book. And um, he was a guy that was anti-authority, anti-everything. He was he was an anarchist. Right. And and he was a young kid, too. He had uh, ideals. His dad was in the U.N. He had um, a lot of things going against him. He was moved around a lot. He was never he never fit fit in. And this this movie is told from his is told by him at the age of 65, looking back on his time on this time and when he wrote this and he wrote this book, the anarchist cookbook. Right. I mean, it can't be more than five years after he wrote this book. He has pretty much shed that life. He's Mm -hmm. married. He gets married and he like, like all young people with aspiration, like not all young people, but there's a lot of, you know, young college age kids and maybe even a little bit older that have ideals and, and things that and I'm not saying they're wrong, but mm-hmm. like um, that is the only thing in their life, like right? This ca- like a cause, and uh, I think he felt vic- fell victim to this. The unfortunate thing for him, he wrote a book that yeah. has been found in people in, in the hands of people like Timothy McVeigh, in the hands of uh, the the kids from Columbine, the, mm. the kid, the Aurora uh, uh, theater shooting, um, like dozens and dozens of of uh, school shootings or uh, pl- plot plotists and people who have caused like, I mean, people say terrorism. They always think of a brown guy in a, in a, in a burqa, but I consider terrorism like when you're striking fear in the people by a, like an act, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of terror, like uh, the Unabomber or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and like, he, like, Fair or unfair, he can be linked to a lot of deaths mm-hmm. indirectly um, because of this this book being found in the possession of these people. So they catch up with this guy, and they, they're interviewing, the filmmaker's interviewing this guy at his home in France, right? Yes. And he's he's uh, he's he looks like a college professor. Yeah. Um, his wife is diminutive, not diminutive, he's, she's diminutive in stature, but not so much in her, um, her place in the home. She's, she seems like, like, like the house seems very, um, a shared home. It's not like an authoritative home or anything like that. They're, they go back and forth. Like if you, like this guy seems like. Your grandfather, kind of ish, mm-hmm. like you know, he's uh, like to the sense that he he didn't seem like he would hurt a fly, you know. Yeah. Now he he had some opinions and stuff, and that what happens in this movie is, I find I found this so fascinating is the way, and the filmmaker does a good job with this to the point where you're almost annoyed with the filmmaker, but he really tries to make. William Powell look back and mm. examine what he did. And it seems at points in time that William Powell has tried to distance him, himself or f- try to forget about what he right. what he's responsible for. And I guess the big question is and this this is it I I found it very interesting because it's like do you, do you want to be known 
for the worst mistake you've ever made. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, do you want that to be your legacy? Now, you know, for me, I've done some stupid stuff, and I yes, obviously, I don't want to be known for that. I don't think I'd, I'm deserve it to be known for that. But at what point is that thing that you did bad enough to be your legacy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean that that book is. I think because it is published and because it is so widely known and, and um, like you said, you know, found at so many crime scenes or, or um, homes of criminals, I guess, and uh, of homegrown terrorists. And uh, the that whole notion, the one thing that I think really brings it home for me um, is that he ask like are are smith and wesson accountable for every time someone gets shot right so like for me like yes what he did has enabled a lot of people to do bad things but um it's it's just interesting that he gets he gets it all comes back to him when there's other people um with with uh, a higher degree of frequency, I would argue, um, enabling people to do bad things, and um, there's no accountability. There's even there's entire groups of people to protect them from being held accountable. So yeah, I yeah, I, I yes, and it's 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 a it's a it's a good question, and it's a like a moral dilemma. Like, yeah, it is. And, it's it is, and and I think. I think like, and I haven't even mentioned this yet, but what he's done, I, in my mind, to atone for that stuff, his work that he's done mm-hmm. to try to, and maybe, maybe um, out of guilt or maybe out of a, a subconscious thing that he didn't realize, but like working with uh, special needs children around the world mm-hmm. for the rest of his life, from like the age of like what twenty five on, yeah, like until sixty, like forty years worth of work trying to help uh kids kids with needs and all that stuff and it it was it was a fascinating look to see can you atone for your sins mm-hmm. you know and you know uh and you can really see it, the struggle in a per, in his person and mm-hmm. like it like him trying to justify it at one point but then other times like really being thoughtful because you get so many people being braggadocious and like the guys on the other documentary we were talking about like they're like ultimately right or alt- the other person's ultimately wrong there was no mm-hmm. like gray ground in between them where this guy actually has like some inner demons that he's really fighting with and like I really really related to this guy and like mm-hmm. sometimes he's unlikable other times he's like super not superhuman but like super humanized yeah you know um and i find i found it really fascinating um i really enjoyed it and um good, good. i i mean i this is uh i say a, a must watch for people who uh like our sensibilities at good, least good. i i really enjoyed this this flick yeah yeah, absolutely. I'm glad. Um, there's, uh, I mean, it. There's, I mean, I guess, I think we talked about it before. He actually died during the filming of this this movie. So, like, mm-hmm. but the filmmaker gets a lot of good footage, and like that, the last shot 
not the last shot of the movie because they do a little bit end credit stuff, but the last of the the main film is a very interesting thing that like I I can see that like like he's he's really separated some points parts of his life and the novel he's he's that he writes his mm-hmm. second book after the anarchist cookbook is so poignant to his own life yeah that i don't think he even realizes it and he like he all of a sudden does it it was i just i i felt really felt for this guy i'm not a, i'm not excusing anything he did i don't i, I just had empathy for him yeah you know, and um, at times, other times I thought he was, you know, uh, but I don't know. I just, it's a, it's a think piece for me. I really like yeah, it. Yeah, I well, definitely agree. I, I think that it is thought provoking for sure. Uh, I gave it an eight. I, I was really surprised yeah, on, or what'd you give it? Same. Okay, good. Uh, I was really surprised on the ratings for this because it was like 5.9 and 58 for Metascore. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, a little bit disappointed in that. Well, I mean, uh, people don't like to think, so. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I hate to say it, but that's, that's not what's, what's cool out in these streets. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting, and it, is, it sounds like you and I kind of wound up on not, not really different sides of, maybe different areas of the same fence, but I really, I don't think that, he um because anyone can like i can get this book and i can learn to defend myself from these from the things that are in this book i think that he just kind of enabled the information to be out there and i don't think it's his fault that um people who uh either are radicalized or potentially have mental health disabilities like i don't don't think he should be held responsible any more than smith and wesson should be held responsible for yeah, for that. So I I think it's fair for those questions to be asked of him. Yeah. Oh, it I is. Mean, I I think that he should have to think a, about it. I think that he should be held accountable in the sense of um, he should have uh, a good answer for why he wrote this. But I don't think that he has to answer for the unibombing or or the school no. shootings or anything like that. So. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely a good good watch. Two solid watches this week. Yeah. Yeah. I like it when that happens. Yeah. When I get passionate. Yes. Yes. Passion. Yes, y'all. Got to bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Um, hopefully, we can bring it next week. I've got a uh, – um, we'll, we'll talk about this a little more um, when we get into our countdown, but I, I was just in the mood for a movie like this. Uh, so, okay. I'm, I'm sending uh, Suspiria. From 1977, mm-hmm. uh, your way. Um, it's uh, streaming on Amazon Prime. It's a horror movie by Dario Argento, who is a very popular Italian director um, of horror genre flick for you, uh, but an interesting one. So, so hopefully, is it a um, is it a uh, foreign film? Yes, subtitled. Uh, I believe it is subtitled. Okay. Um, it might be, yeah, I, I think it just depends on, on the, uh, version you watch. Like I, yeah, it's an Italian. Yeah. yeah I'm actually, I, did I tell you, I think we Italian had this conversation and, before about hmm. watching a subtitled versus a, uh, dubbed. 
we might have, but no, you know always... what it was? It was for um, uh, the wave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think we both started to watch a little bit of the subtitle stuff, and it just didn't, or at least I did. It just it was harder to watch with. But yeah. yes, yeah, I I think it's a I think it's a case by case thing. Yeah. Like I try and um, I'll try and do subtitles, but especially if if it's like a very visual movie, sometimes you just gotta. Yeah. Take that. Uh, take that uh, dubbing and accept it. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, well, cool. Uh, I am. I'm have no idea what it's about. I don't have. It's not in even on my radar at all. Cool. Uh, which makes me a bad film no, talker no, no. about her. Uh, your movie that you need to watch next week, and I'll watch it with you, is called "Hero Dreams of Sushi," another documentary from 2011 about a renowned sushi chef. Uh, who was at the tail end of his life. And I am interested because I've heard good things. I just don't know anything. I haven't, I haven't seen it. So you'll be watching it with me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Not a big sushi guy. Oh, I love sushi, man. Not not the hardcore sushi. Yeah. I... Uh, I've I've done like the eel and Ooh. the... Uh, like the, the... We went to uh, my wife. Oh, speaking of my wife, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. My wife. My wife. Yeah. Uh, she turns. She's gonna turn another year older. Sure, it's her birthday. So happy birthday, baby! Nice. Um. Oh, I know a good song for the end of this. Mm. Uh, uh, what's um, Tenacious D? Thirty-nine-year-old. <laughs> My lady. Anyways, um, Tenacious D. Uh, what was I saying? Um. Damn it! I lost my train of thought. Um, Jiro, oh, you're not a um, you're not a hardcore sushi guy, but you like. Oh yeah, yeah, not the eel, and yes, we went to my, yes. Here, here we go. My wife and I went to a, fr- a friend of hers house down towards Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, and we went to the sushi joint that was ritzy. I mean, pretty nice. expensive. Like I think our bill for four people was well over four hundred dollars. I mean, yeah, and just wow. and like the stuff we had on the plate was rough to get oh, down. That sucks. Um, yeah, I mean uh, there was some good stuff. Like I love tuna. Like, mm-hmm. like tuna is yeah, tuna you know, is good stuff. Like a sure. seared tuna is tight. Yeah. Um, but like once you start to get in the eel and the squid and mm-hmm. a little bit too much for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's man. it's a texture thing. Like I I really like seafood. Um, but. I, I, I prepared, I guess. And the seaweed, seaweed too. I don't like that. Um, so kind of, kind of a one-two punch for me. Um, I try it every now and again because I feel like um, as a a hip white guy, I should like sushi genetically. But Yeah, should be ingrained in you. Yeah, I'm going to have to. In your, your DNA. Going to have to turn in all my ironic shirts now. Damn it. Mm. <laughs> all right so um suspiria on amazon prime uh jiro james of sushi is on netflix and uh, we're going to be reviewing those next week if you want to wait for our review or maybe you've seen them uh we got a couple suggestions i'm gonna i'm gonna dip in the uh dip my toes in the uh comedy comedy genre this week um streaming on amazon prime michael keaton mr mom 
Oh, it's tight. I love that movie Sexist. so much. That's one of my Shame. Uh, uh, VHS. Like we had, I don't know. I told the story before about 25, 30 movies on VHS yeah. that I just wore out. Yep. Growing up. Yeah, I'm so. pretty sure we had this one on VHS as well. That's where I fell in love with Michael Keaton. Hard not to. Hard not to. He's uh, awesome. And uh, this is streaming on Amazon Prime, as I said. So if you're in the mood for a little comedy, can't go wrong. Yep. Uh, Streaming on Netflix. Uh, If you're looking, of course, uh, Dunkirk came out last week. And uh, if you want to see Chris Nolan, one of his earlier, I, I don't know if it was his first movie. Or not. It was one of his earlier movies, at least. Christopher Nolan directed Memento mm-hmm. uh, with Guy Pierce, Carrie Ann Moss, and Joe Pal- Pantalone- Panty- Pantaleone. Joey Pants. Um, uh, fascinating film. Uh, great flick. Uh, it's one of my f- favorites from my uh, college years. Or pa- post college, my, my doctorate years, my master's degree mm-hmm. in film watching. Um, yeah, I, I, it's. I really like the first time I watched this movie. I just, it's one of those movies that are just like, oh, wow, my God, I love this movie so much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's, there's certain ones that, you know, I, ones that come to mind are like The Hunt recently, you yeah. know, that just like blow your socks off and you, you, you love so much. So, mm-hmm. uh, Memento from, uh, from, uh, 2000 by Chris Nolan, streaming on Netflix. Yes, yes, y'all. Um, it's not his first. He, I think he did a movie in '98. Insomnia, I think he did. Christopher um, um, Nolan. Looking back, or no? Um. Christopher Nolan. Direct R. Fourteen movies. What? Uh, TV short, short, Doodlebug. It was a short following. following. Yeah, following is is his first full length, right? Yeah, I I never saw it before. Ooh, oh. it's only an hour and nine minutes. That was my dog, uh, Ooh. knocking over a pool stick that hit a piece of plywood while chewing his bone on a tarp. <laughs> so you can tell what's in my basement right now. Yes. Noise. Yeah. The uh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, actually, I need to uh, put the pause on this because I need another beer. All right. And uh, then we'll get into uh, a sick top five. Yeah. All right. Uh, we are going to get into our top five tonight, but before we do that, um, we would love it if uh, you guys would, uh, if you're listening, take some time. Reach out to us. Uh, we're on Twitter at Bruin View Pod. Um, you can uh, let us know what you want to let us know in 140 characters or less. If you're going to need more, email us. We're always happy to get emails. Um, Bruin View Pod at Gmail yeah. dot com. And of course, uh, <sighs> there's there's uh, other shows we do that you can listen to and and enjoy. Uh, Every week on thesaucelounge.com, along with this show, uh, you can hear me on Matt and Andrew vs. Society, where we just kind of pour over the minutiae of mm-hmm. our daily lives. 
Yep. And you're going to, it's uh, a continuous countdown. Yeah. 200 count next up. week. To 200. Which, yeah. congratulations, buddy. That's Thank a lot you. of episodes. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of minutiae. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, a lot of nothing happens. <laughs> I think, uh, I think there's something to be said for it. And I don't, um, you know, uh, of course, we we like to uh, on Mavs joke joke around about uh, STV, but I I think there is something to be said for actually sitting down and and creating um, an hour in your guys' case, you know, a couple hours of content every week with with a degree of consistency. So I mean, yeah, well, you guys have been like uber consistent. Like yeah. you guys, I think, have been every week at least. I mean, at the beginning there, you were putting out a lot, but I don't think you guys have missed a week. No, we haven't, and we've we've gone out of our way to like make arrangements for, um, just so we can release something every week. And uh, yeah, I, I I think that it's cool, and I I think that it's not like you know we're all podcasting because we we love doing it, but uh, but mm-hmm. I do think that um, maybe we we uh, you know you don't realize it's. It's like a big part of. Uh, oh, it's a huge part yeah. of. Like I, yeah. I spend uh, maybe not most of my life, but like I spent a lot of a big part of my life, you mm-hmm. know, thinking and t- talking and yeah, you know, about podcasts and you know how I listen to podcasts all day every day. So it's it's a all it's kind of day. a cool thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, and like with you guys, like you know, you're hitting two hundred. Engine Nerdy Show is like at two thirty. Yeah. Um, Hot Butters like at one fifty, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like so, there's, like there's. Yeah, we have um, a nice little circle of of people who who are consistently putting out content. Right. Yeah. They're. I mean, they're. Yeah. They're one from one fifty, mm-hmm. and so. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of cool. Like, eh, well, I mean. Obviously, you put out some stinkers. Yeah, you know, I mean, some people do. I don't some know. people, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know what I mean, like. Uh, but like, if you can have at least a couple people listening, that's cool. So, yeah, congratulations! Congratulations! I'm always going to be a fan. Thanks, thanks. Until we break up bitterly. <laughs> Bitter, yeah. And then I'll, I'll just listen. Like, I'll like listen an, from my wife's iPhone. Yeah. So you don't you don't get my download. Damn it! Yeah. But yeah, I I think it's cool, and I think that um, yeah, it, it just it's not maybe it's not the most impressive thing in the world. I, I mean, I know it's not, but it is like creating content. So yeah. it's it's kind of cool when you think about that, and I think that we just kind of get used to going through the motions. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, hitting two hundred definitely kind of get a little self reflective. So. But it's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Good. Yeah. Good for you. You guys know Slouch, though. Uh, no. What's going on uh, at SpanTheVoid.com? Yeah. Span the Boys. Span the Void. We uh, we had uh, uh, this week coming up. Um, this next episode is going to have one of the, and I guess you could have listened to it on Facebook Live as we were recording it, but we had uh, a contestant from the Naked and Afraid series on mm-hmm. uh on uh, Discovery Channel, so that was cool. Uh, the week after that, we're going to have uh, my wife and Schlads coming on, yeah. which is going to be fun. 
So uh, we got some stuff lined up. I think it's going to be fun. Um, so check it out. Spanda Boy with Matt, Ryan, Brad, and Jim. And Jim. Nice. Mr. BJ. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so tonight uh, we're doing another countdown, which is always fun. And yeah. uh, I like this one a lot. You threw this one out there, Brad. Why don't you... Uh, why don't you set us up here? All right, yeah. So I was thinking, like, obviously everyone hates movie cliches, right? Like, things mm-hmm. that constantly come up. Because, like, there's only so many ways to tell a story. And then, like, people glom on to certain um, aspects of movies. Like, the push and pull out of, um, uh, I think it was originally done in Vertigo, mm-hmm. right? Right, and then and then you get it in uh, Jaws, and then like a couple other movies, you know, you see that start to pop up. So it becomes cliche, you know, something that becomes popular. Uh, let's say a, um, uh, uh, oh, I'm at a loss now. Like uh, cliches that I hate. Like I hate mm-hmm. um, the. Uh, the the boy the girlfriends. Uh, friend is just always down on the boyfriend or, you know, she's always <laughs> sassy, you know, like the, 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 like in a, in a rom-com. Yeah. Like you, like there's no depth to that character. Like there, you can, it's like cookie cutter, yeah you know, or like the cliche of they fall in love, they break up, they fall back in love and then everything's happy at the end, you know, that kind of stuff. Eh. I wanted to find some cliches in movies that are good. Like, stuff that I see, when it's done well, I mean, it can be done bad, but, like, for the most part, when it's done well, I like. And I think it would, it's it's kind of a fun, a little bit more of a fun look at it, you know? As, you know, a- Andrew always wants to be negative. I'm trying to lift everyone up. Yeah, that's my life goal. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really cliched at this point. Yes. So, no, I, like, I, I thought we could, we could find some stuff in movies that are cliche, but are a good cliche. Yeah. Like, um... For example, this didn't make my list, but like uh, the cliche of the superhero coming down, flying out of the sky, and landing and hitting his knee and his fist on the ground at the same time, mm-hmm. and then looking up. People hate that. <laughs> I like it. I think it's cool when Iron Man does it. Oh well, you know? that, most things are cool when Iron Man does them. Yeah, so, yeah. Right Everyone knows what I'm talking about, though. Like that, this it comes out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, because they even well, they even make fun of it in Deadpool. Yes, when. Uh, He's talking about the superhero landing in the yes. Matrix. It's all over the Matrix, um, but yeah, it it's it is cliched, but it's led to some really cool shots. Yeah, like if it, it was cool in the Matrix, but if Iron Man, if John Favreau decided, well, the Matrix, um, they did that pose in the Matrix, so we're not going to do that. You'd miss out on on some pretty iconic visuals. So. Yeah, exactly. And some sometimes a movie sets the cliche and then gets blamed for the cliche afterwards. Yeah, like you look at the Matrix for certain things, like you know, wire fighting or you know certain other things that were revolutionary at the time, uh, but then looks gets looked back as a as a negative uh, over time. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's my uh, thing. So uh, I uh, I can start it off just yeah. to start it. Um, my first one and i have a, a soft spot in my heart for this and i always liked it and i've liked it ever since um 
way back. Eh, sorry, I'm I'm trying to multitask and mm-hmm. do lots of different things. Um, no, come on. What? Okay, from back from 1987. <laughs> um, I like buddy cop movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, Me and I too. like when it's done right. And it, the first time I realized it and saw it was in 1987 with Danny Glover and, mm-hmm. and Mel Gibson mm-hmm. doing it, doing the best buddy cop. And what's held, what I consider, what I hold up to is the buddy cop. You know, I'm too old for this shit and mm-hmm. let's get crazy. You know, um, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I fell in love with it. I did a little bit of research on this. I didn't do this for all of them, so f- please forgive me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let me get to it real quick. Uh, uh, Akira Kurosawa's 1949 Japanese film, Stray Dogs, uh, starring Tarshiro Mifun and Tasaki Shimura is considered a precursor precursor to the buddy cop film genre. Other early pioneers of the buddy cop film genre, uh, 1967's In the Heat of the Night and Freebie and Bean in 1974, and the genre was later popularized popularized by uh, 1982's 48 Hours, which was great. Buddy cop, but that was... um, yeah. So, but that was a little bit uh, too heavy for a young Brad. Where forty-eight hours or uh, Lethal Weapon was a little bit more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get some bad stuff like Tango and Cash. Whenever I saw it, whenever I was a kid, great. Yeah, I see it now. Bad. Uh, so, anyways, um, you get that idea. So, I mean, we see it now. You know, you get the um, uh, what's what's the Ice Cube and uh, uh, oh, Kevin Ride Hart. Along, Ride Along. Yeah. yeah. So you get that kind of thing, which you know, um, where I. Th- I thought it was really good was the other guys with uh, Will Ferrell and um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Marky Mark. That was a fun, great little movie where yeah. like the chemistry works. You yeah. know, you have to have that chemistry and you uh, have Michael no, Keaton. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, uh, and, and, uh, Steve Coogan as well. Yeah. Steve Coogan, Eva Mendez. Oh my. Oh Yes. I, I just love I love Marky Marks. He's he's great he's, in that. He's so good in it because he's like he can't believe. What are you, what are you doing with <laughs> Alan? How how did you guys meet? How <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so anyways, uh, but the original one for me was uh, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, and that's for sure. And you know those two had the great chemistry. So yep, that's my first. Of my favorite cliches. Okay, that's perfect because I don't even have to adjust my list. This one's number five on mine, kind of piggybacking off of yours, and it's the one last job. Um, the mm. uh, not it's it's usually a, a hard boiled cop, um, but it is the the cliche of when you when you, uh, your retirement staring you in the face, you're about to get the uh, case of your life. And we're usually going to get a pretty good action movie out of that. I think of it as like the bank heist, you know, or oh, the, okay. you know like the Ronin, you know, uh, you know, the yeah, one last yeah. score. Yeah. One, one last big score. Yeah. I'm thinking more. So the, the example I had written down was uh, Sin City with uh, Bruce Willis's heart again. Um, is okay. my, my yep. favorite example of it. He's, yes. he's facing retirement and he's got this one 
loose end he's got to tie up. So, um, it, it just, uh, yeah. I, I love Sin City. I, I feel like I can't sing its praises enough um, because I feel like it's it's falling more and more into obscurity. Um, it is. <laughs> well, thank you for confirming my paranoia. Well, no, I mean, it, it's it's like... It, um, it, no, it is. It's it's, a, it's it's like, I think it's a victim of its time. It's almost 15 bit. years old now. Yeah, so. I mean, because it was really inventive and, mm-hmm. and gritty and dark and gory and nasty and uh there's superheroes but not superheroes and comic books without being a comic book and just kind of weird and fun and yeah Yeah. so yeah and uh hardigan's character and that like yes he was that was his mantra that the only thing i don't like about that it was a little too just jointed for me like i followed the storyline but like Uh uh, well maybe not i i gotta go back and watch it because I do remember loving it. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't seen it though for a while. Yeah, and I haven't seen the second one. So, mm, eh, you don't, I, you don't need to, especially if okay. you have uh, access to Mister Skin. <laughs> That's what I hear. Eve agree. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. Um, I think that's come up. Spiral out of control. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the the um, I guess one last job is it's in the right frame because that is definitely. Um, heist phrasing but the uh the uh police officer who's hanging it up and a lot of times a lot of times they kind of figure into the buddy cop with the uh getting too old for this shit um yeah but whenever whenever you have someone i think there's a joke in the the simpsons like you get you get shot on your last day it's called retirony (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah, it's something like that. So, so yeah, when when a cop's staring down retirement, you know they're about to go on the the case of their life. So, cool. Uh, all right, my that's a good one. I like it. Um, I didn't even think of that one because that's I it, for me my, where I flashed to, of course, was the last heist one. But, yeah, yeah, um, poor phrasing on my part. So, no, so. no, I, I like it either way. Uh, number four for me uh, is. Okay, so you all know the gruff and tough and almost anti-hero-ish person, but they always have a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect example of this is uh, uh, movie, two movies that well, two movies that we've assigned on this on this podcast. One was um, Payback, and the other one was Get to Gringo. Yeah, starring Mr. Gibson. Mr. Gibson. Um, so you get this like almost almost anti-hero where he's doing certain things that aren't quite um culturally they're not right i mean he's there's killing people some people get in the way you know there's collateral excuse me collateral damage and um but you know that he's he's righteous in his heart like he's got that that good mindset that actually uh it redeems him in certain places, and, and usually by the end, you're rooting for him. Mm-hmm. And pretty much throughout the whole film, you're rooting for him. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 sometimes in other movies, he, he's a B character or, you know, a supporting character. Um, uh, I would say a guy, well, well, no. Um, I, this, that was not a good example. I was going to say Hans Landa from... And glorious bastard. No, that's the opposite. That's the nice guy with heart of coal. 
Yeah, um, hard, hard I, garbage. Um, I'd say maybe uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Apache Reigns. You know, a little bit of that. Or you, oh, uh, Harvey Keitel from um, from uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Okay, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Has yeah. that you know has that good hearted nature, but he's also a cop killer. You know what I mean? Yes. So yeah, um, there you go. Tough guy with a heart of gold. Tough guy with a heart of gold. I like it. Nice. Uh, so my number four is uh, one we're one we're uh, super familiar with. Um, the The horror movie has a lot of tropes that are are tired and just overtread. Um, but the one that's uh, um, well, not the one. One that um, I I'm a fan of is is the final girl. Uh, yeah, it's. Um, my, my example, of course, is Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween, um, and then Jamie Lee Curtis in prom night and Jamie Lee Curtis in this, and then, you know, Halloween three or two, Halloween five, 20. 20. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the final girl, um, you're next. It is the, yeah, you're next. Don't breathe. Um, it follows, it is the, um, it's your point of view character. It is you, it is the person you root for. It is the, um, average, be careful, be careful. You don't end up like this girl. Yeah. It's the average person thrust into extreme circumstances and, uh, without bulging biceps. Yeah, exactly. In, in which, as a person without bulging biceps, I uh, I can appreciate not having. <laughs> she doesn't have to muscle her way out of the situation. Yes. Um, it is. Uh, I, I think the horror genre is so often unfairly criticized. Um, of course, they do show the. Um, gruesome parts of human nature for entertainment but so does the news so whatever yeah um i i think the final girl is is um great it's never in an era now especially where you run the risk of the um strong female lead being nothing more than a marketing gimmick yeah this is something that's been the the strong female lead has been present since the seventies. Um, yeah, in in the horror genre, it, and, and it can and even it can before, run the risk if you look at things like Carnival of being, Souls. It can run the risk of being a little bit uh, sexist and saying like she doesn't like she she's inept and just by a series of circumstances ends mm-hmm. up on the on the right side. Right, you know what I mean. But like in a movie like uh, "Don't Breathe" or "It Follows," like more contemporary movies, yeah, like she outwits, outsmarts, does like she gets herself into trouble and tries to get herself out. And yeah. like, I think I think they those movies do it really well. You know, where a movie like, you know, "I Spit on Your Grave," eh. that's yeah, revenge porn. Yeah, that's that's ex- that's extreme. That's uh, like shock value. That's what they're going for with something like that. In my yeah. opinion. So. Or, or even a movie like Halloween, where, she, I mean, I guess 
yeah, uh, no, she does a lot of good things. I, like I'm thinking, like where she's a victim of circumstances. Like she, yeah. she she's I, she's inept. Therefore, she is not a threat to the killer. Yeah, I mean, she's never portrayed as stupid. She's portrayed as kind of prudish. Um, but it's it's never um, this. It it is a ordinary person thrust into extreme circumstances, and it it never really um, makes a spectacle of it. Of look at these tough situations we're putting this woman through, but she's getting out. We can do it. Like, mm-hmm. they, and and I'm not saying anyone can't do it, but what I'm saying is, I I think there's certain things that are just used as a crutch like the hunger games for example uh like yes it has a strong female lead but what else are you offering i I don't know maybe that's a bad example because that's just kind of yeah i I hated those books yeah i read i read all all three of them and they were yeah. I hated Katniss Everdeen. Yeah, hated it's, her. She it's was a- derivative, and it's just it's it seems like um it seems like girlhood for the sake of girlhood, and like while that's fine, um, don't act like you're you're making a bold feminist statement. But like like I think the these I think horror movies just don't get enough credit. Like, yeah, they present it just plainly. They're not like, hey, look at this girl in trouble. She's going to get out of it. She can do it. It's just like, here's an ordinary person. Mm-hmm. Here is your point of view character. Here is them escaping an extreme circumstance. So I think the final yeah. girl is. Um, no, I mean, there's a reason why it's like that. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at even the movies that kind of poke fun at horror, like uh, Cabin in the Woods, you get yeah. a final girl. Yeah. You know, you, um, and I mean, it's, it's a good, it's a good storytelling. Uh, it's a, it's a good way to tell a story if yeah. you can do it right. Yeah. And I, I, okay. So here I think it, maybe I'm, I'm having trouble articulating what I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, Cabin in the Woods is a great example. So they, they simply, the final person, the final girl is, um, you know what? I I don't know if I'm digging myself in or out of a hole. No, I, I will. I just, if you dig yourself in, I'll try to dig you out. So no, just go do with it. Don't don't worry about what you're saying. No, I I just I I honestly don't. I think that it's just presented in a clear way with no um sense of um propaganda or trying to sell an ideal about anything i think that it, it's just a very the final girl is just a very pure form of this is a human being in a tough circumstance and um women men um strong men strong women can can get out of these circumstances and yeah it, and it's not about i think that it's become about selling tickets to women it's been become about getting women into the theater and mm-hmm. i don't think horror movies have ever been about that so i think that right i, I think yeah. that's what i yeah. appreciate I mean, about the final I, I would girl. agree with you to a certain point because like 
I we've had this conversation before where horror movies have like tackled some of those big social social issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, look no further than Get Out, you know, where they do have a story like, you know, um whether or not Wes Craven was trying to do something you know, pro pro one way or the other, maybe. Or maybe just trying to make a horror flick. Maybe. And and if he was, he didn't beat you over the head with it. And no, he didn't. He did. use You're it. right. Absolutely. He didn't use it as it, a selling point. He just showed you an average person in middle America doing their best. Yep. So that, that's that's one thing that I always appreciate about The Final Girl is, is there's been strong women in cinema for a very long time. Yeah. So... Um, and and that's not to say that, that it shouldn't be celebrated now or discredit anything that's happening now, but I do think that um, it, it's not a new phenomenon. I just think that it's a new way of you know people who are making a ton of money to present it as edgy and and make more money off of ticket sales. Uh, right? Yeah. 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 So my problems with the system, man. I get you, brother. All right, I, I need you. another high life, so I'm gonna make a run to the fridge. I'm not even All gonna right. pause this. If you wanna, um, what is your number three? Uh, I'm gonna let uh, I'll just pause it. Okay, I'll pause it. All right, no, no need to stand on ceremony. Yep, we're going to number three. Yes, yes, y'all. And this kind of goes along with the whole horror genre. Um, and, but the movie I'm talking about, not so, not, not a horror movie, Mm. uh, but through from 2002, there's one, this is like one shot, uh, throughout movies that I like when it's done well Mm -hmm. and it's a jump scare. Okay. And if it's done right and, and it's effective, like it was in 2002's. Signs, starring Ooh. Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, when when they're scared where your when list they're, is going. Yeah, when they're watching the uh, when they're watching the the high, the the video the home home video from Brazil, mm-hmm. and um and the alien walks across the screen, like the first time I watch this movie. And I actually really like this movie. I, I think it's a, a good movie. Yeah, Signs uh, from, is pretty from solid. From Night. Um, and when the uh, Joaquin Phoenix, his his uh, reaction to it as he's as he's watching is the same reaction I had watching it. There's like a lot of tension, a lot of build up. Like you don't know what's going on, and all of a sudden you see this, and you kind of freak out. Like you kind of take a step back, and it's it's a jump scare. And when it's done right, and like we see it in like the aforementioned uh, "Don't Breathe," uh, a lot of jump scares in that. Some good, some meh, you know what I mean. But like overall, I think a good jump scare and not overdone, not with a big stinger in it or anything like that. Yeah, uh, it has to be earned, and um, I think. Uh, and the one that came to my mind, honestly, was the one from Science. Is like that, that visceral reaction to that, like your your you, something catches in your uh, in your uh, in your throat. Like I remember 
when I was watching, I, I think I talked about this on, um, when we said, uh, uh, get out. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that. There was that moment when the guy's running right at him and then makes that hard turn. Yeah. And I saw that in the previous, and I was so pissed I was robbed of that, of that jump scare. Because mm-hmm. I thought that was such a, it was, it, it set up so well in the movie itself. Yeah. And when I saw it in the trailer, I was like, God. And I was like, "Why, why, why ruin that right. moment in that movie? It's such a, it's such an earned moment in that movie. Yeah, because it was just creepy, creepy, creepy. All of a sudden, this coming, coming, coming out. That's and that's a freak out moment. And it's not quite a jump scare, but it is uh, like within like a a second and a half. It's not yeah. that long of a uh, a thing. But uh, yeah, a good a j- good jump scare with like no big stinger in it. You know." Like a, 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 a musical cue. Yeah, nothing to to sell it. Right. Alien so, has a couple of those. What's that? Alien has a couple of those. Speaking of final girls. Yeah. Uh, one or two. Yeah. But one yeah, a good jump scare. Can you think of a good one? Um, I mean, all good horror movies, I'm sure. Um, how, like, pretty much every... Yeah, I think... So the thing that's tough for me about the jump scares as as a a genre fan um, is sometimes now like we get these movies like The Conjuring where it feels like all jump scares. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know exactly. So, but like when you say jump scare, like I'm that's the first thing that comes to mind. But I'm trying to think of like. Well, I, I tell you what, this uh, your next this? has a great um, one. The Ring. Mm-hmm. The original one, not the original Japanese, The Ring, uh, but the original American release, um, had some nice little creep out moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, uh, I remember when when that movie came out, we had Ryan's daughter has real long, like, um, real long brown hair, mm-hmm. and she used to. When we were like swimming in the pool, <laughs> or after she would get a shower, we'd be all hanging out, and she'd like put her hair up over her head, like uh, so it was nice. like from the back to the front. Yep. And she would just kind of walk around in her, her nightgown and just try to freak everybody out. So, yeah, <laughs> so, that's good stuff. Yeah, it doesn't sound like one of Ryan's kids. No, sir. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Uh, my number three is. Uh, kind of kind of the total f and opposite uh of a horror movie it's the the coach's speech in a sports movie oh the coach's monologue um more often than not done poorly um but when it's done well uh i think it's one of those things you feel um the example i i chose is miracle um i think miracle all in all um left a lot to be desired uh but when kurt russell as her brooks comes in and gives the uh the not tonight speech before they play the russians it, it's just one of those things that it always um gets to me as as a hockey fan and as a movie fan um it it just it it kind of just cuts right to to i guess my interests and and just really appeals to me um other really pop people really love the uh one from any given sunday which i 
Those inches. Yeah. Right which, in front of your face. I I get it, but at the same time, I just hate that movie so much. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> Except for uh, Steven Willie Beeman's uh, music video. I love that. Hmm. Um, um, I think people talk to who talk about Hoosiers. Yeah, Hoosiers is a great example. Um, D two. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, you knew that was coming. No, I, I, there's, there's a lot of really um, great examples, and it just, uh, it's just um, a good one of those can transcend. Um, the moment where it it feels like you're being talked to directly you're being and especially um you know growing up playing sports and and um brad i know you can relate to this probably more so than myself It, it just it gets you a good one gets you in the headspace of those players on the screen yeah and it and it just can kind of cut right to Maybe something primal in you and just. <laughs> okay. So I have a quick story about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is more for Spain of Boy, but it, 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 it's apt for this because, yes, I. We're not that get... show. Yeah. Well, we, you can get chills from those type of moments. Yeah. Um, and like I, I do at points like, like, like those inspirational speech, speeches, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we're not going to, you know, uh, Animal House, you know, John Belushi. <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, we were, so we were playing uh, in college, and I played college football, and we were playing this, uh, a, a school called Slippery Rock. Mm-hmm. And so at oh, this one year we played them, we, we had, <laughs> I'm sorry, my dog's over trying right. to chew something. Um, uh, so we, in the football office, we would walk in, we'd have meetings and stuff. There was a big piece of slate rock right on the front of the counter or, or, of the um, the secretary, right on her desk. Or not on her desk, but on, like, as you walk in, like, the, the um, well, yeah, on, on the counter, okay? So, and it represented, we were playing Slippery Rock is a big piece of slate rock. Like, it's probably, like, uh, 32 inches long and about mm-hmm. probably 10 inches thick. So after all week we're going in and it's so stupid. Like everyone got a little piece of a rock to carry around with them mm-hmm. all week. So you had to carry it in pocket and all that stuff. So it was just like, uh, you know, what is it? whatever. What so is we, get the, we get into the locker room before the game. We're playing slipper rock. They're like the number one ranked team. We're, we're in the middle of the pack. We're not that great, but we wanted to beat them of course. Yeah. So my, uh, the offensive line coach, my coach, Comes in, he's like, "All right, guys." He's like, and he's holding this big ass rock in his hands. It's like we've been carrying these effing rocks around with us all all week, and you know, we're here to play slippery, real subdued, easy tone. And he's like, and we're you know, we've been carrying this weight around with us all week, and it's it's starting to like build up, and there's a lot of pressure that builds up, and like when you when you when you apply pressure to certain things and you apply enough pressure to hard things, they will break. And he starts to get more amped up and more amped up and just talking and more and more 
um, animated and is walking around and spit starting to fly out of his mouth. And he's holding this big ass rock. It's got to be 25 pounds or 30 pounds. And he's holding it and he's yelling and looking at everybody's eyes. And his, he's got this like crew cut haircut. I mean, he's a prototypical football coach and he's, he's starting to yell and he's like eyeballing everyone's like yeah 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 everyone's getting jacked up and stuff and all and all of a sudden he takes this rock and it's a slate rock and just smashes it over his head and it breaks <laughs> everyone awesome. at the same time throws their helmets on because they're afraid something's gonna hit them in the head like everyone does everyone's freaked out we go out and we end up well First of all, there's like blood running down the front of his face, and he's like, "Let's go get him!" Like yelling at us, "Let's, oh, let's go get him!" And there's blood running. We go out and get our asses kicked. We lose, and we find out. I find this out later, like years later, when I was actually start. I ended up being on the coaching staff after we were done. He doesn't remember the first half of the game. He gives himself a concussion by <laughs> breaking this rock over oh, his head. Jesus. It's such a, you know, like. It was like cool, but so anti what yeah. really should have happened. It was like the worst idea. Um, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I have a mixed bag with. Uh, hey, with, I've uh, definitely had. Some, I had. Um, <laughs> I had some dumb coaches too. Um, specifically, I we had a kid dislocate his shoulder right by our bench. Um, this was. Peewee hockey. Um, so the stakes were a little lower. And uh, <laughs> he dislocates his shoulder, and our coach reaches over the bench and pulls him up by the arm. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, and yeah, and I'll never fucking forget this kid, Andy English, who, who, would, who would just as soon, like, Beat the, beat the shit out of you as he would say how you doing and he was just in abs like just tears like running down his face in absolute pain because our dumbass coach and not not in like a like shake it off type of way and like oh hey let me come on you're gonna be all right like right <laughs> he's just yanking him up over mm-hmm yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, coaches can be dumb. But when you reach the professional level, like Herb Brooks. Yes. There you go. Or the amateur level. Yeah. The the quote-unquote amateur. The gold medal level. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, All right. that speech is so – for me, I love that speech, and it's inside a movie that's okay. The whole movie is built around that speech. And the uh, Do You Believe in Miracles? Mm-hmm. It's all built around that. And mm-hmm. it's and it's uplifting, patriotic and stuff. It's, yeah, absolutely. But I, there is I, that, uh, There's a good speech in uh, Mystery Alaska. Yeah. Did you ever watch that movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I like that movie. Mystery Alaska a lot of people is solid. Don't. Really? I, I mean, I've heard people not like that movie, but. I don't know. I just, maybe it's just the background. Like, I, I've seen most. Most hockey movies, just because I guess that's where my – not I guess. That's that's where my interests lie, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so there's some good coaches' speeches out there. No no slate rocks over the head, but – No. Maybe stupid. one day. God, so stupid. I got to I gotta talk to um, – so the, the, um, the lawyer we have on retainer for Mavs, he uh, – <laughs> 
He, we um, played high school football together. He, well, I only played for my freshman year because I, I broke my arm. But um, there was one of the, the like freshman coach, he used to say something really stupid. <laughs> and Kevin like caught him. Like he was in, in the locker room and he thought he was alone. And he, he was like muttering to himself like one of his catchphrases. And he goes like out loud, like, what am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i gotta get clarification from the legal department but yeah it, yeah we don't want to yeah we don't want to disparage anyone's good name mm -hmm. all right uh so my number two all right we're going back to 1995 and this is uh when i first think of, of uh this this cliche uh this is one of the mo more inspiring ones um uh, but where your hero dies at the end. Mm, yeah. And nothing says it better than 1995's Braveheart. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I noticed your theme. <laughs> so, uh, where, like, and, and maybe it's me being stupid. Because I think my number one is me being more like susceptible to mm -hmm. uh, the filmmaker and his like his ploys, but this one is a little bit like that because like you know this this the hero is always supposed to walk away in the end, mm -hmm. uh, but a movie like uh, Shane, right? Shane, did you, you ever watch yeah, Shane? Yeah. Oh yeah, okay, absolutely. So where where the hero, spoiler alert, dies at the end, mm -hmm. you know whether it's amb ambiguous or not. We don't know. I mean, at least in the book. I don't know if I ever saw the movie. I know in the book, Jane's, yeah. But uh, the hero sacrifices or martyrs himself for his cause or the person he loves or, um, you know, whatever, his teammates. Um, you see this in uh, uh, Black Hawk Down, you mm -hmm. know, which is a great flick, you know, where people put their lives on the line. And, you know, it's like that martyrdom thing where you're dying for your cause, the ultimate sacrifice type of thing. And like that gets me like sometimes it's it can be pandering, but other times it's it's, um, you know, it's it's it has a lot of uh, it, for me, sometimes it has a lot of uh, weight to it and it, it, it makes it but like. I did like with William Wallace walks off into the sunset with, you know, the queen, mm -hmm. you know, like that, that movie loses a lot of, uh, uh, gravitas, you know, like, I mean, even though it was a three hour movie and a lot of great scenes in it, but like, if he doesn't die for his cause, he doesn't cause the uprising, you know, or, you know, whatever happens he doesn't he doesn't have he realizes that he's more than just a man he's more he's an idea and so yeah i i don't mind when the hero dies at the end sometimes yeah absolutely and Some sometimes it might be better if the hero dies at the end like at the end of the kingdom of the crystal skull yeah. <laughs> he could have died in the yeah, uh like, refrigerator yeah it would be fine um, i mean maybe put him out of his misery in the last crusade so that yeah, we but he has to eternal life. The of the but it doesn't skull. look like it in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, weird. It looks weird. a little ragged. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, so does uh, the Wolverine, but old man Logan looks a little tired. Yeah. Well, that was a little telegraphed, I thought. That one. Oh, but his death? Yeah, I, w I was just kind of talking about the 
yes. the uh, the yeah, anti aging, the and then he looks it, yes. a little rough. Yeah, that was yeah, that was telegraphed a little too much. Was Shane though, they they yeah. used Shane in uh, oh in that so in yeah. Logan. Um, nice, awesome. Yeah, it is some. Yeah, it it adds more weight to the story. I think. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agree, and and if it's done right, mm-hmm. if it's done right, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, if all these things, what it comes down to is cliches usually has have a bad reputation. So you got to do it right. Yeah. You got to do it right, guys. Um, so uh, my number two is something that uh, seldom feels wrong, uh, and it is Italian food in organized crime movies. Oh. Yeah, it's I it's mean, omnipresent. The scene you're thinking of, right? Hmm? The scene you're thinking of? Oh, I mean, you pick so many. The the jail scene in Goodfellas. That, that's the one I think yeah, of the, immediately. Uh, you know, leave the gun, take the cannolis. Um, yeah. When uh, uh, in uh, the Godfather, the the cannoli line, they're making the uh, tomato sausage sauce. Um, you know, try the veal. It's the best in the city. At the end of uh, Godfather Two, when we're all sitting around. Yeah, yeah, they're they're having the dinner in the posthumous. Uh, uh, man, that's a great Don scene. Corleone. I love I yeah. love that. I that is one of my favorite scenes, mm-hmm. or one one of my favorite shots in movies. Yeah, is that is that scene. Yeah. Abs- well, look. I I mean, the. I I know we've talked about this before on uh, I think it was a a Mavs episode, but we've talked before about the um, the great dinner scenes in movies. Like all great movies have a great dinner yeah. scene somewhere in them. Yeah, somewhere, and uh, you know all the great organized crime movies. At some point, they're sitting down for a meal, and it's um, elaborate, authentic, and uh, <laughs> it's. It's good stuff, yeah. So, um, well, it looks good. It, it looks does. delicious. Yeah, and um, it's a running theme through the, the Godfather series, um, Goodfellas. I'm sure at some point someone has a lobster roll in uh, in the in uh, departed. Yeah, yes. they've got to. They might not show it, but they had it, so yeah, we'll count it. Um, well, I, I, the whole scene right, right at the end where um, he's looking up at the sky mm, and like that mm-hmm, whole that mm-hmm. whenever it, like that's all based around him making dinner for that night. Like, yeah, someone's stirring a pot and someone's he's just sitting there making up the meatballs. Yeah. You want to see helicopters? Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. His brother, Michael. Um, yeah. The, it just uh, it pops up in uh, every Italian movie. Or, or every organized crime movie because it it plays to a stereotype, but at the same time, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I I could really go for some of that, you know, carb heavy, stick to your ribs, homemade but sauce. But it but it also legitimizes legitimizes yeah, yeah. it a little bit. It's like, oh yeah, they they um their whole thing is about family and 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 that's where the that's family gathers in those yeah. types of movies, you know, yeah. around the kitchen table, you know, oh, or yeah. the dinner table. Um, yeah, it's a good point. I like it. Yeah. I like that a lot. Good stuff. I'm All a right. fan. Well, my number one 
Um, I really, I really don't have a good example of this, but I'm a sucker, mm-hmm. and I know it's manipulative, and I know that I, but I and I'm and what I'm doing is I'm thinking I'm oh I I like that because it's this way. Because you guys don't get it, because you don't, it doesn't need to be wrapped up nice and neat. Mm. I like ambiguous endings. I too am a fan of ambiguous endings. And like a movie like, uh, I I don't have any Mel Gibson movies to, <laughs> <laughs> to do with, but like, like a movie payback. like um, a movie like uh, 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 Primer, yeah, or a movie like memento or um a movie well for two chris nolan movies but like a movie like inception like i know people hated that ending i thought it was clever i thought it was like why why do you need to be wrapped up in a nice little bow it doesn't need to be um you know uh to a lesser extent you know uh i would say a movie like the dark knight rises or it's a little they they had such a great opportunity to have that ambiguous ending if they just had Alfred raising his glass. Yeah. Uh but then they cut to Christian Bale yeah. saying, "Oh, that would have been so good." Yeah. Yeah, would have been better. Yeah. Um you know, there's like I what what happens is I'm thinking I'm thinking of all the options like cuz mm. there's so many times where they try to wrap up a movie and they just miss you know, don't yeah. stick the landing, you know? Yeah. And, exactly. or they, you know, they were wrap it up too nice and neat, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I don't mind having that mystery where you can actually think and say, huh, well, this, well, I guess this could have happened. Like what, you know, you know, like what happened at the end of like till dusk till dawn? I don't know. What, oh yeah. That's true. What's yeah. going to happen with, uh, you know, the other Greco, the Greco brother. The, yeah. Um, so, like, I, I'm a sucker for it, uh, and I like it. So, well, look, I, I'm in agreement. Obviously, we're 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 movie guys. Um, otherwise, we probably wouldn't be here right now. But um, I, one of the things about the ambiguous ending that I really like is it prevents the over explanation, which I think is insulting to the audience. Mm-hmm. Like, I want. I'm I'm a huge advocate for movies trusting their audience. Just uh, like trust us that we can either figure out what's going on a or B have a meaningful discussion about what we think happened instead of, you know, presenting us with the box, then putting the wrapping paper on it, then putting the bow on it and just really handing it to us nice and neat. We don't always need that. Sometimes. Yeah. It's, a lot of times it's warranted for sure. But like with the Dark Knight Rises, we didn't need to see Christian Bale at the end. We didn't need to see Robin in mm-hmm. the cave. No, definitely don't need to see any more Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, uh, uh, movie, oh, damn it, it was just on the tip of my tongue. Lost it. Hmm. Lost it. Hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, like, oh, uh, a movie like, Oh, a movie or example wrapping everything up that worked mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. I mean, it was uh, Get Out, like recent movies we liked. Yeah, right. 
you can wrap that up. That's fine. It's a horror movie. You need to wrap everything up. But an ambiguous ending like Cabin in the Woods, not ambiguous, but like uh, it doesn't need to divulge everything because you can follow the lines. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but the one I, the one I thought of immediately was Primer. Yeah, Primer is a great example. Primer is such a good movie. Yeah, it's you guys fascinating. Haven't seen and it. like I, I did it. Uh, speaking of deep dive, sorry I didn't do a deep dive this week. I will do it next week probably. It's going to be Fight Club. Uh, but anyways, uh, I did some like major research. I watched YouTube videos. I was reading up on it. Like after I watched that movie, I was like, oh, I got to figure out how this timeline works. Who was where? What did what? And how yeah. all that stuff. It was fascinating. And then yeah. like even at the end, you're like, what? Huh? It's how more. Did- it's more stimulating. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep, that's my number one ambiguous endings. Because even though you could like, they can cheat me. They can make it mm-hmm. like they don't. Even if like they can't wrap everything up, they're like, "How do I get out of this?" Oh, ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. But I'll still fall for it. <laughs> hey, whatever. You you know your strengths. You know your weaknesses. That's, that's right, and that is my strength. Yeah. My strength is my weakness. Um, so my number one is uh, circle it all back to the horror genre, sex and death. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you have sex, you will die. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is a good one because, man, yeah. It Follows did a fucking great job at doing that, man. That was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's it, – yeah, it follows is so great because it's almost. Well, I guess I would say it follows is pretty tongue in cheek, while being very true to the genre. Oh, like ultra, like true with no winks, no smiles, no fun, yeah. but just, mm-hmm. just raw and just like, uh, just visceral almost sometimes. It's just yeah, it is. It is. It's right on that raw edge of your nerve and you're like, oh, what? Oh my God. What's going to happen? What's yeah. going on? Well, so the classic example of this for me is the um, the Friday the 13th series. Yep. Um, just constantly, if you uh, if if you show your boobs, you're going down. That's all there is to it. You uh, You pop the top, you you might get decapitated. Um, it, it's just so consistent with it, and that's another thing that um, that horror movies just kind of occupy that weird space where these things that um, people consider horror movies amoral, right? Like if it's yeah. like gross, it's it's gory, it's it's graphic. But in a lot of these slasher movies, especially Friday, the Friday the 13th series, a lot of this stuff is very almost Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the, the it's ch- biblical. Yeah. yeah. The, the chaste survives and the um, the uh, the ones who stray from from the herd, the ones who, uh, you know, engage in. In in drugs and premarital sex. Mm-hmm. Going well, down. you know, to be fair, to mm-hmm. be fair, mm-hmm. I mean they they do get it right because I think that everyone who has had sex and who has yeah everyone either has died or will die. Yeah, that's true. 
sex will kill you. Eventually, it catches <laughs> up to you. Um, it, it just, it's so, uh, the ones who are amoral, amoral or, or stray from the, the straight and narrow get their comeuppance. And it's graphic, and it's, it's not, uh, definitely not pleasant, but, you know, neither is the Old Testament. So it's kind mm. of one of those, one of those weird things. Um, but yeah, I, it just, it's one of those kind of like, uh, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't. Oh, you did it. Yeah. And you, and you get it. so many good examples of, uh, you talk about it follows being, being tongue in cheek and then, um, cabin in the woods flat out making fun of it. And, uh, it's, it's just an expected trope and a cliche that, um, you can kind of set a watch by by the uh, the eighties slashers and and uh, but it's just fun. It's it's that that exploitation of like oh you you get to see a girl topless like you know come to the theater come check it out. And, well, yeah, uh, like it's almost it's tilling for the fans too. Yeah, because, or the watchers because you're you know you're playing on all the. Um, you know, the moral uh, norms of the era, you know, mm. like the, and all the kids that are watching that are told, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. And it appeals yeah. to that age to watch these kind of movies. And then it, they get their comeuppance and then like, yes, that makes it a little bit more real. You yeah. Know? And it's, yeah, it's like, Oh, this, this girl has her top off. It's, it's literally titillating, but in the next 15 minutes, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to see this embodiment of your adolescent fantasy hacked up. Yes. So get used to rejection, kid. I yeah. Think is what, what they're going for. Yeah. <laughs> that's take that libido. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's just, it is, um, and especially the Friday the 13th series, you can, you can set your watch by it. And I think that's one of the things they're, um, the remake really nailed was the uh um the the come up and system like, i i thought that their uh their setup was was pretty solid um but i've also sat through the entire series so i don't recommend that no <laughs> but there's a lot of fun to be had um so yeah there you go horror clichés are uh there's a lot of them, but there's a couple of them that are enjoyable. So, there you go. Yeah. Well, I guess that about wraps it up. And uh, I guess the best way to wrap it up would mm-hmm. be to say that uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. And to swing away, Meryl, because freedom. Fine in 
Mine to have and to hold. 